going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. Coach, are you feeling like your teachers are just not interested in your support? Have you struggled to get into classrooms and impact positive change? Do your teachers turn the other way when they see you coming and put you off over and over again when you offer to visit their classrooms? So many coaches face these problems and they all revolve around one thing, the culture of coaching. If your school doesn't have a coaching culture, it can feel like you're bending over backwards to please everyone while actually accomplishing nothing. This summer, my favorite annual event, the Simply Coaching Summit, is all about building a coaching culture at your school. This online conference for instructional coaches is on July 11th, 12th, and 13th, and it will give you everything you need to change your school one step at a time. The summit is three days of keynotes, live workshops, pre-recorded sessions, and live meetups. I'm giving a keynote about how getting curious can change the culture of your school, but there is so much more to the summit that you have to see it for yourself. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com summit to save your spot. The best part is that you have six months to watch the videos. So if your summer plans didn't include some cozy PD at home on the couch, you can watch them when you're back to school. See you at the summit 2022. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, and welcome to episode 98, how to be lazy about the things that don't matter with the lazy genius, Kendra Adachi. This month, we're talking about all the things, so much to do, so little time. And today in episode 98, we're addressing a concern that so many coaches have brought up to me this year. I feel so overwhelmed and my time at home is just about getting ready to go back to work. I know coaches are spending tons of extra hours at work just to try to stay afloat and to support teachers through this really difficult school year. And while I can't really change your work environment, I wanted to bring someone on the podcast today that will help us change the way we think about our to-do lists and all of the million tasks that have to be done at work and at home. Kendra Adachi is the lazy genius. I found her on Instagram and I've been following her for a while, learning little tips about how to be better at managing my life and trying to internalize her tagline, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. And as I was thinking about how to help coaches with time management and productivity at home and at work, 
Kendra's tips popped into my brain and I knew I had to invite her to join me here. So coaches, let's welcome Kendra Adachi to the podcast. Welcome, Kendra. Thanks for having me, Chrissy. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited about this episode because I feel like it's going to meet a need that a lot of people are having right now. Um, so could you introduce yourself to our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you ended up as the Lazy Genius? Sure. Well, my name is Kendra Adachi. I am, uh, I'm actually married to a middle school counselor, to a guidance counselor. So I am such a big fan of every single person listening to this podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm married to my husband, Kaz. We have three kids, sixth grade, fourth grade, and kindergarten. And I am a writer and a podcaster. And I call myself a professional permission giver, because there are just too many things that we think we're supposed to be doing. And we sometimes just need someone to tell us we don't have to, we need someone to give us permission to go like, no, it's okay for you to not do that. Or it's okay for you to be lazy about that. Mm -hmm. So I love to give practical tips to people on how they can manage their time. Maybe not better. Cause I think even that word can sometimes be a little, uh, a little tricky to us, um, but to help us manage our time and our lives in a way that makes us feel more human and less like a robot, but we can still get things done. I love that because I think a lot of people are feeling like robots right now. <laughs> like yeah, they come home for sure. they get ready for the next day. They go to work, they come home, they get ready for the next day. They go to work. Um, it's just chaos. So, yeah. so what is a lazy genius? Cause I love the way that you describe this. I followed you on Instagram for a while and I just love the way that you, you talk about this topic. Yeah. So a lazy genius is someone who is a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. But the important thing here is that you get to decide what that is. So often we are told what we, what should matter to us. And so then we kind of make everything matter. And right. then we run ourselves into the ground trying to, to make everything matter. But then what often happens once we run ourselves into the ground, we kind of swing the other direction where we just go like all lazy and we're like, I don't care about anything. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I give up. And neither of those is a really helpful, viable approach in, in the long run. What we need is permission to care about the things we care about and some tools to make them work better in our lives and mm -hmm. stay as a consistent focus. And then we also need to be able to let some things go that don't matter as much because not everything can, not everything can matter. It's true. Everything can't have the same urgency or value or importance um, because then how do you decide what, what, what to do first? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My mom always has said, you always have time for the thing you do first. That's her, that's her thing that she told <laughs> us every day of our lives. We, we didn't have time. You always have time for the thing that you did first. What did you do first? Cause that's what you chose to, you know? So, but if we can't tell what's most essential to do first, how do you start? So I love that. I want your mom to be everyone's mom. That was such a great line. Oh, I love she it. She thinks she's so brilliant. Like, she <laughs> <laughs> and it is true. It is very true, but it's, you know, she's yeah. don't, don't tell her it'll go to her head. I won't she tell her. I won't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people figure out which things matter and which things don't matter to them? This is a question I get asked more than any other question. Mm -hmm. How do you know what matters? How can you name it? And so there are a couple of, of thoughts to put around that question first. One is there is no single way to name what matters. Sometimes you're asking yourself in the moment, like in a stressful moment mm -hmm. and you go, what matters the most right now? So you can know what to do next. You know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's not something that you can decide and then walk away from necessarily. So there is no single way to name what matters. Um, you can plan it ahead. You can do it in the moment. 
whatever. So just kind of removing the, the pressure of getting it right, of mm-hmm. getting that right in one way. Another thing to remember about naming what matters is that what matters changes and it changes probably more often than we let it. So what mm-hmm. matters about how you are taking care of your body one week could very well change the next one week. You're like, if I don't go for a walk and get out in the sunshine, I am going to disintegrate. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I need to do. But then the week after that, you're so tired that your body just needs to sit. Your body needs to rest. So giving some sort of, um, like broad, Mm -hmm. uh, strokes, what matters is, is not always feasible either because what matters will change. And then the third thing to remember is that what matters depends highly on your season of life. So it's important to know, I think a lot of times when we get really overwhelmed by something, what we're doing, we might be making something that used to matter, uh, in a different season of life equally matter now when our season of life is different or we're expecting something that worked like a, an approach to something that matters. We're expecting an approach that worked when we maybe didn't have kids or when we weren't in a pandemic or when we weren't going back and forth between in-person and virtual learning. We're expecting something that worked, even something like our mindset around this way of being in the classroom in March of 2020, when we did not have almost two years of uh, like, mental drain over this pandemic in our bodies. Like what, what we even did in virtual classrooms, March, two years ago is not going to work right now. Mm -hmm. We're in a different season of life, even though it feels like we're in one long, horrible season of life. (laughs) Like it still is different. Mm -hmm. And so just paying attention to the fact that it is very fluid. What matters is going to be fluid and to be gentle and kind as we name what the season of life is that we are in. It's, it's just going to help make those, uh, those decisions a lot easier. So from a practical standpoint though, how to figure out what matters, I would say that you ask yourself what two or three areas of my life matter the most right now for this season that I'm in, you can say maybe you know, from now until the end of school or now until spring break or now until the end of the day, (laughs) whatever it is, whatever your, your time scope is name that name, that season that you're sort of naming and go, what two to three areas of my life are going to matter the most right now? Is it that you have been working so hard that you haven't had a conversation beyond like family logistics with your spouse in three months, you know, Mm -hmm. that you go like, Oh, I really want that to matter right now. That really matters. I'm disconnected from someone I love. I want to prioritize that now. So name a couple of things in your life that matter now for this season. And then be sure that you also, when you prioritize that, that you notice what might be in the way of letting that priority rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. So if there is something that you are wanting to make important, but there is noise in other places, like even just things like your, uh, your desk at work. If you know, like, okay, my priority right now is that I need as much visual simplicity in my life as possible. Like I'm just really overwhelmed, like sensory, I'm <laughs> too much sensory overwhelm. So what is in the way of that? What's in the way of that is that you haven't been able, not, not in a shaming way, but that you've been so busy that you haven't been able to file things for the last three months or move them from the stack in your desk. And you go, Mm -hmm. you know what? That is a task that is essential to me right now. That's going to help me experience 
uh, less sensory overload. So I'm going to get rid of what's in the way. I'm going to get rid of this visual noise. I'm also going to get rid of say the shame that I'm putting on myself that I'm not able to handle this. Like I think I should, you know, mm -hmm. like they're get rid of what's in the way of what matters. And then the third thing is to make your problem as small as possible. I think so often when we get overwhelmed with things and we're trying to prioritize and, you know, set goals and all of that is we just create such a big problem to solve. Like I want to feel, I want to have better time management. Well, okay, <laughs> like, that's way too big. So we need to make our problems as small as possible. So how can you solve your smallest problem around something that matters? An example that I, um, that came to mind just the other day was that I have, I have a chair in my living room that my family affectionately calls my morning chair. Cause that's where I always sit in the morning mm -hmm. and I was finding when I sat down in that morning chair and I turned my lamp on that it, cause it was, you know, it's still dark in the morning and it just was bumming me out and I couldn't figure out why. And it's because the light bulb in that lamp was a very, very warm yellow color. Mm -hmm. And I changed it to a cool light bulb and it changed it, it, I was going to say it changed everything. It didn't change everything, <laughs> but it had an exponential change for solving such a small problem. Yes. So figure out how you can solve your smallest problem in an area that matters to you. I love that. I, and that is like being aware, like self-aware of what is it that you need in the moment? What is it that is, how are you feeling in the moment? Taking a, a moment to check in with yourself and even being aware of yourself is something that we don't do often enough because no. we just get through our day. Um, and we have our lists and I know you talk about to-do lists. We have our crazy lists, um, with all sorts of stuff on them to get done. And, and never on that list is like, how do you feel about your lamp? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm really glad that you brought up, you know, ritual teaching, ritual learning, because my audience of course is primarily, primarily school leadership, instructional coaches and administrators. And they're just super swamped and overwhelmed with work right now. Um, and have been, like you mentioned, for all of this long, horrible season. And so I'm hoping to give them some things that they can apply to their real lives. Because I think right now they're just like hamsters on a wheel, you know, um, just getting yeah. stuff done, just getting stuff done. So how can people really make the most of the time that they spend at home when they're juggling demanding jobs and kids and all the normal stuff people have? Yeah. I have, um, a philosophical answer and then a practical answer. Oh, so good. We'll, do the, we'll do the philosophical <laughs> one first. Okay. So, um, I would encourage everyone to remember that optimism, when we're stressed out and we're overwhelmed, mm -hmm. we often think the answer is to optimize, is to be as like productive and optimized as possible. But we put so much energy into that. Mm -hmm. And is that really the goal? Is optimization for every minute of every day really a worthwhile goal to like nurture our own humanity? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that it is. I think it is partly, I think seeking to optimize, um, different areas of our life is an incredibly worthwhile endeavor, but to remove this expectation that you have to make every minute count, mm -hmm. like, especially when you're at home, I know for my husband, when he gets home from, you know, Oh my word. If it, there are any, I mean, I was going to say if there are any counselors listening, but honestly, anybody who is in the school system right now, mm -hmm. you are being hit on all sides by such a variety of problems and the need to switch like your 
mental, like your head game, depending on what kind of problem you're solving or what person you're talking to or what a kid needs in a moment. It's just like so jolting all the Mm -hmm. time. And then you get home and to try and uh, disengage from that kind of energy. And then if you have a family at home to engage with them, but then it's like, well, I also have chores. I also have, we have to get food on the table. We have to help kids with homework. It's like, it, there's just no settling Mm -hmm. on the inside. And, and we only exacerbate that lack of settling by trying to optimize everything by trying to make every minute count. So I just want to offer some deep breath permission to just like, Mm -hmm. you don't have to make every minute count. You don't have to get this perfectly every day. And also please do not judge your best day against every single day. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that. You might have a day where you get home and it's like, you're engaged with your people and you get your stuff done and you like magically get 30 minutes to read on the couch before you go to bed at a reasonable time, like all these things. And you have this kind of like ideal day when you get home and then the next 17 days that you don't get that ideal day back, you think that you're a failure and you have to fight back to that day. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you to not do that. You don't have to measure every day against your best day. That's a now from point. A- from a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. um, there are two. Okay. So, um, I wrote a book called the lazy genius way. And in that book, there are 13 principles to apply in any, in any combination to basically any situation that you find yourself in to kind of help you create a system or a pause or a routine or anything around something that matters to you. So two principles that I want to offer to your audience that are like just the most like practical, oh, they just, they're so like powerful and quick wins are amazing are the principles of decide once and ask the magic question. Mm -hmm. So decide once is you decide something one time for one thing, and then you let that decision ride until it doesn't work for you anymore. We know that there are so many things in our lives that, um, you know, that phrase decision fatigue, Mm-hmm. And if you're in, if you're in the, if you're in the school, good Lord, like yeah. it's just decision after decision to make and ones that are deeply complicated often. And so even something like, what am I wearing today? What am I going to listen to on my drive to work? What am I going to like, where am I going to say, if you're a virtual teacher and you don't have an office, like I know that sometimes, um, for us, when for my family, when we started, when our kids were in virtual school at the beginning of the pandemic. And my husband and I were both working from home and we didn't have an office space. We didn't really know what we were doing. And so we kept changing where we would work throughout the house every single day. Mm-hmm. And we had to remake that decision every single day. Where are you going to work? Where are you going to work? Where's he going to do a school? Like all these uh-huh. things. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there are certain decisions that you can make one time and automate. We all do this sort of naturally but naming it is so helpful. So there are decisions you can make one time and automate that can really add some margin to your life and to your, your brain and your thinking, and even your, the stress that you hold in your body, like what you wear on a certain day of the week, what you might eat on a certain day of the week. If what you're going to take for lunch, you know, you eat the same thing for lunch for a week, and then you make a different decision for the next week. Like what are some things that you can do to automate your life without becoming a robot? So mm-hmm. that you leave room to be more human, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the yeah. first one. I will pause. Do you have any thoughts about, uh, about decide once in the context of this? 
Yeah, I really like that. And I, as you're saying it, I'm thinking of things that I did whenever I was on a campus. And one of them was like, I would eat the same thing for lunch all week because I just didn't have the capacity on Tuesday night to figure out what was, was happening Wednesday, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I had capacity on Sunday and I had a crock pot and that's what I did. Um, <laughs> and that was it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I probably wore there, whenever times were really stressful, I wore like the same eight outfits over and over and over again. Um, and then Friday was like jean day. So I wore my t-shirt, you know, and jeans and it was just great. And so I totally see how valuable that could be because we are, if every day is a new day and you're starting over from scratch and you're having to make these decisions and decision fatigue is real deal at school and at home when you have children, because it's constantly, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? No, 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 no. We can't do any of that. <laughs> yes. you know? So it's like, am I prepared to deal with the response of yes? No, I'm not. So I have to say no, but you have to keep saying it a hundred times mm -hmm. um, because they're children. So <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah. So yeah, if you can minimize how many decisions you're adding onto your own plate, because other people are going to put stuff on your plate no matter what, um, then I could see that would make things a lot easier. And I'm, just, I'm sitting here thinking about my own day and what decisions I can stop making <laughs> or I can make and not make them again. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to go through my day and just be really aware of that, put that in the front of my mind to say, am I deciding? So I, and I know I am actually, um, I have been doing it. I've been toying with it for a while because I, you know, I work from home and then I have a four-year-old and a uh, almost 10 month old. Well, by now she's like 11 months. And so they are, well, I just try to figure out my day. Like, what should my day look like? And I'm, I feel like almost every day it's different because yeah. I like variety, but that also is exhausting. Cause then I'm like, oh, but then where am I going to fit in this in? Where am I going to fit that in? And so I really need a more consistent routine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know it's hard to do that with children sometimes, little ones, especially, but I, I can have some basic components that I put into place and I can stop doing this decision yeah. every day of what should today look like. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of a, so often we, we, uh, we kind of go all or nothing with things. It's like right. our entire day has to be ordered or we want everything to be spontaneous. And it's mm -hmm. like, you could name a couple of things that are fixed points in your day mm -hmm. that it's okay that they happen every single day, but also to honor the fact that you like variety. You know, you mm -hmm. don't need to tamper that. You don't need to, um, we don't want to ignore the things that make us feel like a person that make mm -hmm. us feel like ourselves. So honor those things, but, but hold them alongside of consistency or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, or if you are a really, really consistent person, but what tends to happen, this is the truth of me. I, uh, I love routine. I love consistency, but I can very easily lean into the, like, we have automated everything. We have <laughs> planned everything. And then I, I'm not talking like a robot right now. Like then mm -hmm. I become a robot. So it is, um, it's both. We all need both, but we want to mm -hmm. honor what, uh, makes us feel like ourselves in this decisions. Mm -hmm. And I would say if, if, for anybody who's like, Oh, like you just said, I'm thinking like, what are all the things that I could decide? Like right. I would decide once of all the, and, and it is, that's why I love this principle because it is so energizing. Mm -hmm. It generates our imagination um, in a really impactful way because it's like positive problem solving. We're like, oh wait, right. what? I could decide that. I could decide that. And we're just, we get really excited. It's like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car. It's like, you get to decide <laughs> that, I get to decide that. It's so fun. So I would say a couple of, a couple of questions kind of ask um, to kind of uh, help direct that energy are, um, what happens every day? Mm -hmm. Like, what do I do every single day? And even things like, you know, getting dressed, you know, brushing your teeth, like whatever it is, are there things every day? You don't want to decide once on everything, 
But what do you do every day that you're like, oh, I don't need to decide that every day. Like I have, um, I did an, a podcast episode about this. It's very niche, but it was pretty hilarious is that I have three makeup faces. I have okay. basic, I have basic face, I have ready face and I have fancy face. So if I, so I kind of know like what products I'm using. I know like how much time I'm going to spend on the thing. I know like, oh, I'm not going to put this on today because this is just basic face. I just yes. need basic face. It's so simple, but like, it helps me so much because I go like, okay, the decision's been made on what products I'm going to use. I don't pull out my makeup and go like, oh, mm -hmm. so, um, things like that, like what can you automate? So that's one question, what happens every day? And then the second one is what you said, actually, and you said it so beautifully, which is when do you have the capacity to make decisions? Mm -hmm. Don't put yourself in a position where you are deciding things when you are too tired to do that. Yeah. Put yeah. yourself in a place to decide when you have the capacity to do so. That might change week to week. It might change season to season, day to day, but go like, when do I have energy to make decisions? When do I have space in my life to do that? And, um, and just even, I love, uh, phone alarms and calendar reminders for things like this mm -hmm. to just be like, Hey, alarm goes off. It's and a, a kind sound guys, not like a, like <laughs> lean into the vibe here. Um, but you can just go like the alarm could say, how's like, do you have decision? It's this decision making capacity time. Like this mm -hmm. is when you like it. You want to you want to think creatively about your life for a second, just like for five minutes and go like, what can you decide in a time where you have the margin to do that? So those are the two questions. What happens every day? And when do I have the capacity to decide? Mm -hmm. Those are great. Yeah. I, I, I recently made a list of food we eat. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that, that sounds so ridiculous, but I had no, it does like, not. what do we eat for breakfast? What do yes. we eat for lunch? What do we eat for? So then I can just go, okay, this week we can have like these two breakfasts or whatever. Um, and then I, you know, I have, we're doing baby led weaning with my youngest. So I have meals that I like things that I made and froze because it's just in the morning, I'm like, oh, oh, what's happening? Even though every day we have breakfast, right? It's, right. <laughs> we know it's coming. Um, and writing them down, I just want to, I want to affirm that choice because so often it's exactly what you just said. It's like, it sounds kind of silly. And I want to say to you, no, it does not. <laughs> I think that there are so many things in our lives that we think we know what we do, but they mm -hmm. exist in our brain along with everything else. And so if you can pull them out, <clears throat> If you can pull those things out of your brain and put them on paper, put them in your notes app, put them somewhere. Like I, um, I have a, a phrase, a term that I call brainless crowd pleasers, um, which are what you just said with your meals. They okay. are meals, they are dinners or any meal really, but it is a meal that requires very little brain power from the person who's cooking it. It's relatively brainless. You don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's a crowd pleaser, not in a, like it's everybody's favorite, but like, it doesn't really get a ton of complaints. Like it's generally right. pleasing to everyone who's eating it. Cause let's not get crazy here with children. Yeah, um, so, but having a list of those meals when you are stressed out mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, we need a brainless crowd pleaser. I'm not, I'm not trying something new. I'm not, right. uh, we're not doing that today. I need to turn off my brain and us to just sit around the table and I'm not going to resent a kid for not eating the food that I worked hard to make right. after a day that I've worked really hard. So, but, but to have in your head, like, oh, sure. We have brain, brainless crowd pleasers, but you have not written them down. Mm -hmm. It, you, it kind of loses its power. Yeah, so you're still having to use your brain. You absolutely are. <laughs> so I'm just encouraging everybody like, yes, get those things out of your brain onto something else. So you can look at it, reference it, and then walk away. Totally. That's so, that's a really good point. I need to write everything down. I have posters all over my house. <laughs> <laughs>
it would help though. I know it would help for sure with certain things. Um, so you kind of mentioned a couple of things in, in this vein, but are there any, is there anything else that busy people can streamline at home that will make their lives run better? So there's another, I mentioned this principle before and didn't because decide once is so uh, powerful that we spent the whole oh, time yes. talking about that. But the second one is to ask the magic question. Yes. The magic question is magic. Uh, it's very simple, but it is magical. And the question is, what can I do now to make something easier later? And you can sub in whatever that thing is. So if there is a stress, if there's a stressor in your life, if there is a pain point, if there's, um, I always think about laundry, you know, laundry is one of those things that just like continues to happen. And we're like, is this still happening? Am I still doing laundry? Like, it's just really frustrating. <laughs> but if you ask that question, what can I do now to make laundry easier later? And even more specifically, if you hate sorting it, if you hate putting it away, like whatever, whatever it is, uh, what can I do now to make sorting laundry easier later? Well, you can get one of those divided hampers um, that where it's sorted right away. You know, you don't have to actually go through like the big, collection of dirty laundry to do it. Mm. Uh, what can you do now to make it easier later? You can have a house rule, which is another lazy genius principle of house rules you that make life better for everyone. You name what matters and you put something in place that everybody is sort of on board with. You have a house rule that uh, pants have to go into the hamper devoid of their underwear and not inside out because children <laughs> just strip down and leave everything a tangled mess. And then you're trying to sort laundry really quickly and you want to burn everything down. So like to just sort of name that rather than continuing to get frustrated with your kids. Now, are they going to do it every single time? No, of course they're not because they're children. Right. But to have like an expectation, a kind, like light expectation of like, hey, y'all remember like when you're, uh, like when you know your kids are getting ready for school or they're taking their shower or they're, they're basically getting naked in that moment. Be like, hey, remember house rule, pants underwear, like you know, yes. just kind of to get those kinds of things to kind of help you. So that's something that you can do now to make the laundry easier later. Um, but that question, when you have like a minute, what can I do now to make dinner easier later? I'm going to pull the chicken out of the freezer. What can I do now to make getting dressed tomorrow easier later? I'm going to, you know, go ahead and pull the clothes out, or I'm going to go ahead and choose what I'm going to wear. It's like, even just like, I'm going to make a decision. So mm -hmm. I, the versatile, the versatility of the magic question is so uh, beautiful because it can apply to anything in any scope. It's, I mean, even things like, what can I do to make my relationship with um, like, a, like a fellow administrator easier later, you know, like we're, maybe we're going to have like uh, we're moving into a big decision-making meeting about the next round of, uh, you know, mandates and protocols because mm -hmm. we just got this thing down from the County or whatever. And you can go like, okay, what can I do now to make that meeting easier later? I have a coworker. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. What I can do now is I can seek them out as a person right now and, and bring them, bring them coffee at the beginning of the day, bring that like, not in a buttering up way, not in a manipulative way, but like, this is a human being that mm -hmm. I work with and I want to remember that. I want them mm -hmm. to know that I see them that way before we go into a potentially uh, tricky conversation, right. you know, like that you, you can apply it to so many things um, so that you're not just like holding all of this decision-making stress, all of my uh, uh, business coach once called it anticipatory stress. Mm -hmm. You're not holding all this anticipatory stress about what could be, what you have to get done, what might happen uh, in your body, that you are actually making a very small choice right now 
to make that thing a little bit easier later. Not fix it completely, not change it completely, but just make it a little bit easier. I love that question. Um, so now I'm asking myself that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's magic, Chrissy. It is. It. It's super magic um, because there are sometimes you have that odd moment. You have like four minutes. Like, exactly. What can yes. I do with my four minutes? But if, yeah. if you say, what can I do with four minutes? Well, that's too many things, right? Too many but what, I, what can I do to make something later in my day go better or to make something yes. tomorrow go better? That I could, that I could do in four minutes. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. I love it. So I really loved your podcast episode about building routines for the morning um, because that is something that like I believe in and my routines just kind of happened, but they, I didn't plan them. Um, <laughs> they just sort of occurred. Totally. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what good, good routines are and why they matter so much. Yes, absolutely. Well, one thing that I feel like is really important to say, and there, this is a another of the 13 lazy genius principles and it's called build the right routines. And there's a whole chapter mm -hmm. about what this looks like in the book. And the idea that we often think of when it comes to routines, when we hear that word is we think of doing seven things in the same order all the time. We see the behaviors as the routine. And I want to shift that just a little bit. I want to shift that to where are you going? What is it that you're trying to accomplish in your body, in your scheduling? What, where are you going? And you can see the steps to get there as uh, what we generally think of as a routine as kind of the on-ramp to getting to that place. So for example, a morning routine to me, the way that I have named it is it is a gradual uh, kind of reminder and opening to the productivity of the day. But I'm also remembering who I am in that moment that I really, if I just sort of jump into, um, like I do this thing and then I do this thing and then I do th this thing, it immediately puts me in robot energy, like right away. And so to see this as kind of like a, 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 a gradual movement into productive energy, but that you're also honoring who you are as a person so that you are not looking for yourself at the end of the day that you've lived, you know, how many times do we get to the end of the day? And we're like, wait, what have I been doing? <laughs> like, what's going on? You, you, you just sort of lose connection with yourself. And that might sound a little woo woo, but I think it's deeply important. And so a morning routine to me, the purpose of it, the purpose of it, where I want to go is to gradually move into productivity, not immediately, not mm -hmm. intensely. And uh, to remember who I am. Now there are luckily a lot of ways I could do that. And if I wake up and I have 10 minutes, I can still pick one or two things that can help me do that. If I have 45 minutes, I can pick a few more, but by removing the pressure that a routine needs to be, you do these seven things or else it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. It, it, it gives a lot more power and sustainability you know, that you would actually continue doing this thing. Cause it's not about doing the thing. It's about naming where you're going. The purpose of your routine is this. And these are some things, write them down in one of those poster boards on your, on your wall. Right. So <laughs> these are some of the things that I could do to help foster that thing that matters, that place that I'm going. And it's okay if I don't do all of them, I'm rarely going to do all of them. Give yourself permission to have some fluidity in that routine. And the thing that I find so interesting, we love routine. We love repetition. We love the groundedness of it. 
And that feeling and that actual behavior is so much more likely when we remove its pressure. Hmm. When we remove the, well, I just need to be more disciplined. When we remove the shoulds around it. If we just go like, I hope to feel like myself and not scattered at 6.30 in the morning. And I can do this one thing. You know, I can slowly make my coffee. I can turn music on while I'm doing it. I cannot, like for me, a perfect example for me, because not everything is going to work for everyone. For some mm -hmm. people, it might be like, I'm going to get up and I'm getting on that treadmill and I'm busting it because I need to like get that stress out of my body. I need to whatever. For me, my day is terrible if I start moving my body really fast. I'm just like, we have to go very slow, everyone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, like, and so just to even give yourself permission that like, what is going to work for your morning routine? Your morning routine does not have to look like other people's. You don't have to drink a glass of water first. You don't have mm -hmm. to um, like, you don't even not have to check your email. Like if th that helps you, like, honestly, if it helps you when you first wake up to go like, what's on the docket for me this week, let me just see if there's any, if that I don't want to walk into the office at the start of the day, when I have a staff meeting 10 minutes before I get there, mm -hmm. or like right after I get there. And I don't know that there's this urgent thing. Like if that helps you, I think you should do that within the context of still feeling like yourself, still feeling mm -hmm. like a human, not optimizing everything, not making everything, not responding to the urgent all the time. So to know that your routine can look very different from someone else's, the things that lead you that are that on-ramp to that thing that matters, because what matters to you is not going to matter to someone else. Like that, that's good. It's not that it's just like, you're okay, just because you're different from everyone else and you don't exercise in the morning. It's not a settling. We're just all different and that's okay. Yeah. In the episode, what I loved is you talked about someone, I think it was in the episode or somewhere I read it, where you talked about somebody who said that she finally gave herself permission to let her kids have screen time in the morning so she could yes. sleep in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I did. really love that. Yeah. I, I thought that was so neat because she's like, I'm still going to like, I'm. it's important to me that they only have a certain amount of screen time. So I'm going to, you know, make that a house rule, right. but I am going to honor that I need more sleep and I like to sleep in. I don't want to get up and exercise. I don't want to get up and do all the stuff. I want to have a little bit of extra rest. And if I can sleep in a little bit later, then I will have a better day. Exactly. So, yeah. I thought that was really neat. Like being honest about what I'm, mean, cause I also enjoy sleep and I don't get very much of it right now. Mm -hmm. So I, <laughs> I can totally see the value in that. Um, it's really helpful that it's, it's so different for everybody and that that's okay. Yes, absolutely. So in your book, and you've mentioned a little bit about your book, The Lazy Genius Way, and you talk about these principles. And could you talk about how you arrived at the principles that you chose? Absolutely. So it's, um, I love it when people start things like, it's kind of a funny story, and then it's not actually <laughs> funny, but like, here's the story. So um, I I wanted to, I felt like it was time in this business, I've had this, um, this business for six years now, mm -hmm. and it felt like a lot of people were asking me the same kinds of questions a lot. And it just felt like, I think I, I think I would like to write a book. I'd like to write a lazy genius book, kind of like a handbook for life. And, um, and I, I pitched a book to, you know, a bunch of uh, publishers and, and the book that I thought I was going to write was sort of category driven was topical, mm -hmm. you know, it was okay. like, okay, so this is like the house chapter and this right. is a relationship chapter and like all that. And as, and I wrote, this is no joke. I wrote uh, 50 to 60,000 words that did not get used. I had to write an entire book to realize that that was not the book I was supposed to write. It was mm -hmm. devastating, but it's fine. Um, but I just realized what I kept running into is that 
there are 37 ways that a person could do laundry, could have a laundry routine. And I could write a whole book about laundry and still not mm -hmm. include every way that someone could do laundry. And there are all these other things in life that we want to deal with. And so I asked myself in this like very stressful moment of, I don't think I can write this book. It's going to have to be like an anthology right. that I said, wait a minute, I've been making this podcast for a long time. I've been talking about these things for a long time. Are there like underlying principles that always inform these topical decisions? And I just brainstormed them out and almost immediately landed on these 13. It took like an hour for me to just wow. go like, well, it could be this, it could be this. And they didn't have the exact names at that moment, but just the cons, the actual principles. And they came out and then I went through like all of my podcast episodes, all my blog posts, like a lot of the content that I'd already done and just made sure like, does at least one of these principles exist in this thing? Do I mention something like this? And it did. And so it was really this beautiful kind of uncovering of what was already there. Um, and that's why when you read the book, it's, there's nothing like terribly new. There, there's nothing that is revolutionary in the sense that I have never heard of that approach before. Making a decision one time is, is not a new concept. You know, I did not come up with that. People have been doing that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but sort of uh, collecting all of these principles, almost like a life Swiss army knife. And you just are able to go like, oh, wait, that could work for me right now because principles are versatile with your season of life with your personality, with your life stage, with your need, rather than these are specific tools, or this is a specific rule, um, that it's, it's more, it's more personalized, but still deeply practical because you're a smart person. The people listening to you all are very smart people. You don't need me to tell you how to live your life, A, B, and C, because our lives are different. And I cannot be the expert on you. That's not fair. I think that's why we find um, some dissatisfaction in typical self-help books and productivity mm -hmm. books, because they are helpful. There are, of course, there are a ton of like really beautiful hacks and approaches and things that work for us. But I would guarantee that none of us have read a book and resonated with every single thing that was in that book. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what, what most of us do is, and what a lot of these like uh, productivity and self-help books have is that the author has found a way that works for them. And they share that with you mm -hmm. and it, it's, and it's very kind and generous and thrilling because we learn different things. But what we end up doing is kind of like MacGyvering together, like this hack from this person, this person, from this person, blah, 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 try to make it work for us. And then our life season changes and a pandemic comes and everything explodes. Right. We're like, wait a minute, what do I do? And that's why principles are so deeply helpful. So that is how I uh, discovered them. Uh, but each in the, in the book, each chapter is one of the 13 principles and just lays out specific ways you could apply it, but the th but lots of permission to let you apply it in the way that you need to. So is there actually a best way to implement the principles in your life? Or like, is there something that works really well for you? That's a great question. So there is not a best way. There are several ways, but there's definitely mm -hmm. not a best one. Um, and I've actually gone through my own uh sort of discovery process in different ways to apply the principles, like how to figure out which one works for you. Mm -hmm. I 
as early as I think it was at the time that we're recording this, I think it was like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, um, where I had an episode that says how to choose the right principle for you, because I had a new understanding of an order that you could take yourself through those principles. And guess what? I can't even tell you what it is right now because I have not memorized it enough to know what it is. Like that's how new it is. So there's Mm -hmm. no best way that we start to see how the principles interact with each other and go, oh, wait a minute. I need to, uh, I'm feeling really stressed out and I want to kind of call the phrase I use is calm the crazy. What can I do to sort of calm the crazy? Well, one of those things is to get a quick, uh, a quick win. I have, I've categorized the principles in different places, um, that way with like, well, there's, these are your quick win principles, like decide once, like the magic question. Mm-hmm. There's some more like a rhythmic principles, like build the right routines and essentialize and schedule rest. Then there are these sort of, um, kind of permission giving soul level principles, like be kind to yourself, let people in, you know? So, um, so you can, you can categorize the the principles. You can know that there's a go-to for you that you want to try. You can listen to that episode of how to choose the right principle for you. Um, and, but, but no, there's no best way. I think that what is so helpful is that there is no best way Mm -hmm. because that means that the principles are going to continue to work for you no matter what your life needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you will probably find a favorite. Everybody who reads usually has a favorite um, that they kind of like go to. It's like a good reminder for them, but just to go, okay, what's my problem? What's my small problem I'm trying to solve? Could I, is there something I could decide once about this? Am I trying to build this too big? Can I start small with this? Uh, can I ask the magic question? Do I need to let someone into this? Do I need a routine? around this thing? Do I need to set a house rule? Like you just sort of like can run through the list and watch something sparkle. There is not a singular answer to that question either. There are multiple ways that you could solve your small problem. That's the more permission. Like you're not trying to find a singular gold nugget amongst, you know, this, I was trying to think of something other than gold and I don't know geology. So my apology to all the geology teachers who are listening to this, but like, um, (laughs) you know, like it's not that you're trying to find the perfect answer. Just pick one that works for right now. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I like that because I know that if you read books, like you talked about full of hacks and stuff, it feels like if I don't do all these things, I'm not doing what I learned. Like I recently read a book and I really liked it, but it was so many things about like how to manage your household and stuff like that. And it was just so much stuff that I know that I walked away with like one tip because yeah. <laughs> it was just too much. I was not going to implement this whole system, you right. know? Right. So what is the principle that you couldn't live without that it's like instrumental every single day? Decide once is huge. I mean, it is, we've already, obviously we've sort of uh, not belabored it, but we have definitely given it its due. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly because I, like I said, I can, um, I can automate to a dangerous place, mm-hmm. but, but it also is a really important part of my life because I, um, I have, I'm a, I call myself, I have a caffeinated squirrel brain. Okay. My brain is always, it is a caffeinated squirrel. It is always moving. It's always like darting around mm-hmm. and what's going on. And there's not a lot of natural rest in there. And so anything that I can do to, um, just kind of ease that energy a little bit mm-hmm. is so helpful and deciding is a practical way to do that. But I will say, um, I think the other one that I definitely could not live without is the final principle in the book, which is to be kind to yourself. We, uh, and we need both, right? We need practical things and we need like permission giving 
philosophical heart-centered things. We need, mm-hmm. we need all of it together, um, to become kind of a, well, not become a whole person, but to continue to become who we already are and a, and a more whole version of ourselves. And I know that because I have a caffeinated squirrel brain, because I'm a recovering perfectionist, because, um, I was voted most dependable in high school, you know, like I, my, I am like, I have responsibility in my marrow and getting things done. And I can very quickly move into a place of shaming myself and kind of like having this little voice in my head. That's like, we've been in this pandemic for almost two years now. You're still tired of it. Like you should have figured this out by now. Like, I can't believe Mm -hmm. that, you know, like you have that voice in your head. And one thing I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm, I'm not a therapist in any way, but one thing I have learned from my therapists is that has been so deeply helpful is to not dismiss those voices and ignore them in the sense of like, no, 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 go away, go away. Like you're, you're not giving me any help right now to actually have a more grateful posture because so often the, those voices in our heads are, um, kind of versions of ourselves that needed to uh, have sort of these coping skills and these um, ways of seeing the world to kind of protect us. Like when we were younger, we were, you know, mm-hmm. like as we grew up and all of that. And so just to realize that a lot of times the, the things that we're feeling and like when you have that, when you, um, when you have a voice in your head that says you should not have planned all of those things, like we're not going to get all of this done, or you should have planned more because they're depending on you and like all of that for you to say, and I do this to myself. And I know again, this, this, I said earlier, like this sounds woo woo. No, this sounds woo woo, but it's still <laughs> really helpful is to have deep self-compassion and kindness towards yourself and say, Hey, listen, I know you're stressed out. I know you care about us. I know that you want us to be okay. And we are, we have a lot more tools than we did before. Like we're thinking about this, like, we're going to be okay. Thank you for caring for, you know, thank you for caring for us. Like being compassionate with yourself in those times, um, especially when we're overwhelmed and stress is, um, it's just so essential. It's so essential. I don't, I don't think that we can like preserve that, that, that light of our humanity that makes us specifically who we are, that makes us the kind of person that can go into a classroom, that can be on a computer, that can be in a boardroom, like all of that. And, and, contribute in a way that we uniquely can contribute, that we get to add to what already exists in the groups that we're in and in the systems that we exist in and the buildings. And like, we, we need to honor who we are and it's okay and normal that sometimes parts of who we are are freaking out because they're just trying to keep us safe. So to be kind to that voice, be kind to those parts of ourselves. Um, I think that just makes us more whole. Yeah. I can really relate to that. I mean, everything that you just said, I mean, I'm, I'm an oldest, I'm much older than my youngest siblings. I took care of, helped take care of them as they grew up, you know, and then, um, you know, 4.0 in college and I had to have everything just, I mean, I'm very much that person as well. Mm. And I, the should voice is whenever I know that I'm not, um, taking good care of myself. I have the mm. shoulds constantly. I should have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I should have, you know, it's constant. And my poor husband, he's like, honey, but that didn't happen. So now here we are. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of, well, I should have done this. And next time I'm going to do this. And it's constantly about how I could have made everything work out just right. And that, that can become obsessive and really unhealthy and you beat yourself up. But I really like that idea of acknowledging that that is, was in place to protect yourself from something, you know, 
um, from criticism or whatever, whenever I was younger. And if I can acknowledge that I don't need, it's okay. They, I, that's true. I probably should have done that, but I didn't and it's okay. And, and it's okay. you know, everything will be all right. We're going to figure this out. Um, because if we do always like what one thing my husband says, it just drives me nuts. Is he says, um, honey, it's going to work out. And I always say, no, it's not going to work out. I'm going to make it work out. <laughs> right. It, does, it doesn't just work itself out. I have to do it. That's how these things are working out in case you're yes. not aware. It's I am true. working them out. Right. <laughs> but, yes. but it's true that, you know, yes, we have tools and we will be okay. It is going, we will one way or another get through it. So. <laughs> and if you don't, and I think that's a really important thing is that even when you don't, even when you do, cause we're going to fail, like even right. when you mm -hmm. do mess up and you actually should have done that thing. You should, you dropped a ball. Like mm -hmm. there are things, there are places that we are absolutely going to mess up. And to remember that, 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 that is not a reflection of your value or your identity. Mm -hmm. You're just a person who made a mistake or a person who did something actually wrong, that it wasn't a mistake, that you made the bad call. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was a bad call. And, and, and to, and to acknowledge that, that you're, you know, to say you're sorry to, um, to, but to show yourself compassion and in, in, even in that space, like we're not going to get it right all the time. It's like back to that, that optimization thing. Like you're not going to make mm -hmm. every minute count. You're not going to get it right all the time. You, you can't, you cannot, um, mechanize and structure and manage everything to the point where you're just like, my life is now set it and forget it. Here we go. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. Right. I said this in a, in a podcast episode the other day, you're not an instant pot. Like right. you're, we're not instant pots. You can't do that. You cannot treat yourself like you're one. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think that the most impactful way that you can do that is to be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. So in, I mean, kind of about that same thing, I, it sounds like maybe I already know the answer to this, but which principle might be the most helpful to somebody who's a perfectionist at work? It's that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yes. perhaps a, a, a bonus answer to that one is the principle of schedule rest. I know that that, um, even honestly saying that phrase right now, it actually, uh, brings emotion up to me because I, I, I see my husband, how hard he's working. I know how tired we are. Like, I just feel for people who are in education right now, because you are carrying not just your own tasks, but like you're holding the education of children, like right. in your arms. Like it is just such a deeply trying time right now for people who are in education in any way. And so, um, I, I don't want anyone to feel like I am being um, I'm not reading the room that you guys are busy and you don't have a lot of time. Be like, yeah, just schedule rest guys. It'll be right. fine. Like I, I don't, I don't want it to come across that way. Um, and at the same time to acknowledge that we are all very depleted right now. And if we do, it's like you just said, things are going to work out. Rest doesn't just work out. We do have to schedule it. We do have to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying you need to schedule like a, a personal retreat weekend away or that you, you know, whatever it is, but how, again, another lazy genius principle, start small. How can you start small with scheduling rest every day? What is something you can do every day that makes you feel like yourself? What is something you can do every day? Whether it's listening to certain music on your drive to work, whether it's, um, putting away whatever is, uh, putting away the things that are on your list after a certain time of night, because the list will still be there tomorrow. You know, like mm -hmm. you can always make your list longer. There's always something to do, but maybe it's that at eight o'clock you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch a game. I'm going to, um, like right now I am really enjoying cross stitching. Like, oh, I love cross stitching. Obsessed with it. Yeah. And I just started over the last few months and, um, it has been such a 
restful practice for me mm-hmm. because it's creative and I, I love to be creative. I'm a creative person. It does make me feel like myself, but because it's not for anything, the, 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 um, I can see my progress, but not in a quick way. You know, mm-hmm. it's just in a very rhythmic mm-hmm. way. It's beautiful. It's like, uh, and I can leave it, you know, I can do it for 20 minutes and put it back in my basket and come back to it the next day. Mm-hmm. So to, to name something and then schedule it in your life, in your day, a very small, something that makes you feel like yourself, I think will go a really long way in your productivity at work. Yes. That's great advice. So how can people find you online or in the real world? So I am the lazy genius everywhere. So, um, on Instagram, I am uh, at the lazy genius. I primarily do uh, most of my things there. I have a, from a social media standpoint, Mm -hmm. I have a podcast called the lazy genius podcast episodes come out every Monday. They're somewhere around 15 or 20 minutes. And the titles are very topical, very specific. You'll know if it's for you or not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I have the, the book, the lazy genius way. That's the best place to sort of enter into this lazy genius mindset, because it is the foundation of everything that comes on Instagram and the podcast and the newsletter and all of that. Um, so I would encourage you to, um, to get the book from your library or your bookstore or whatever. And, um, I do read the audiobook. I get that asked, I get asked that often. So mm-hmm. if you're an audiobook person, um, I do read the audiobook. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. That was so much good stuff. I am so glad that I invited her, um, onto this podcast because she had so many helpful things to share and I I haven't read the book yet. I'm going to get it myself because, um, yeah, I need to do some thinking right about, (laughs) about my life, how it works and what I could do to feel more like myself. I love the way she said that. So for you, I want you to think about what principle uh, of the principles that you heard today, could you implement right away to change the way something works in your life? for the better. And she shared a lot of different choices that we can even get started with, even just from the information in this podcast. Decide once is a great one. Be kind to yourself, schedule rest. I love these ideas. Um, ask the magic question. I am going to, I, I know it sounded like I was joking when I said I was going to put this stuff up in my house, but I am absolutely going to do it because if it's not visual in front of my face, my brain is full of too many things and I'm not going to hold on to it. So I want it to be visible. Um, in my house. So I'm absolutely going to put this, post this somewhere that I can see it every day, maybe in the kitchen. (laughs) That might be a good place to do it first thing in the morning. So um, on the blog, actually, there's a free download that you can grab. It's a self-care checklist. And I know we talk about self-care a lot. And that term is, um, can be co-opted and it can make you think that you have to like buy fancy lotions and stuff. But basically it gives you some things that you can do whenever you talk about scheduling rest it gives you some ideas about what you can do to take care of yourself so you can grab that at www.buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 98 that's the word episode and the number 98 next episode in episode 99 i am actually chatting with a coach in the field because she was having this issue about not having a clearly defined role And that made it really hard for her to plan and manage her time well. And it just kind of would be frittered away, right? So we talk in this episode about how a clearly defined role can help her plan and manage her time better and actually accomplish something that she's trying to accomplish with her her coaching work. So definitely join us for episode 99. And in the meantime, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? 
Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.